Welcome back to Brain Bites. Joining me as always is James Green, but today we have two special guests. We have Chris and John from Tintree. Tintree is our enterprise storage vendor here, and today they are here to help us explain something called intelligent infrastructure. So John, I'm going to toss it to you real quick for a definition of intelligent infrastructure. Sure, and I'll, I'll go with uh, the definition Gartner has come up with, which is uh, intelligent infrastructure optimizes infrastructure resources for application consumption through the use of infrastructure machine learning and applying tuning as software overlays. Um, they, they predict by 2022, intelligent infrastructure will add infrastructure machine learning and analytics and artificial intelligence for IT operations as software overlays on top of hardware-based composable integrated systems. So we're putting robots in our switches. Exactly. So I think I'll talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so that was a lot of words. And yeah. I think that you know we had talked a little bit before this, and I think that Chris is going to give us a brief history of just kind of IT and infrastructure as a whole to kind of guide us into how we got to the need of artificial intelligence in something like infrastructure. Yes, absolutely. So thank you, uh, and thank you to Becca for letting us join this week. Um, so just taking a step back, we look at that, that we talk about what intelligent infrastructure is, but why, why do we actually need intelligent infrastructure? What is the history behind how do we get here and how, how that would be of value to us uh, managing, managing our, our tech environments, our you know, infrastructure technology today? So let's, take a, let's just take a little history tour here. Let's go back to prior to the internet. So prior to the internet, what did we do for technology? We mostly big big tech was mainframe and the mainframe was a device that was super intelligent for the time and super powerful so and it we could run applications in their own lanes in their own partitions they were called lpars you run them in in their own partitions they were independent they had their into you could assign resources to them those types of things what but what was the problem with the mainframe the mainframe was extremely expensive so we went from the mainframe to open what we called open systems, which uh, Unix-based systems. And then, in you know, in the middle of the '90s or uh, mid '90s, we were all uh, Windows for workgroups was available. We started networking. The internet became a thing, you know. Right. So we started rapid development. We need to develop apps as quickly as we possibly can, and that's not really suited suitable for the mainframe. Right. So it was it was better at doing these four tasks really well, not not hyperscale rapid deployment of everything. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and writing COBOL is a little bit more different <laughs> than writing. We, we had new languages, C, C++. We had right. second generation, third generation development languages that made rapid development a thing and, and very, very simple. So as those that hunger for those apps, especially when the internet comes out, right, there's, there's this massive demand for apps. It it um, we spread everything back out, distributed everything back out again on the on the Windows, mostly Windows and uh, Linux based infrastructures. So, <clears throat> what did that do? That created a huge, huge problem um, in in terms of we're no longer able to manage these these applications. Um, it's just becoming we're getting hundreds and maybe thousands of servers for each of our different applications that we're developing, and it, the man, the just management became a, you know very difficult. So, so now we're fast forwarding maybe to 2000 or so, and there was a little company called VMware that cropped up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Diane Green and the folks out at Stanford decided let's virtualize these workloads. We'll put a little layer of software across the um, 
across our x86 infrastructures, and we can run as many VMs as can fit on that that resources. Right, and again, I think virtualization just at a high level is running smaller computers inside of one big computer. You've got one big computer, and you you break up its resources to run other computers or servers on exactly. the same host. Just as a just to, not taking anything for granted about virtualization. So. Sure, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a, a virtual server, if you will. So. The, so you put a thin layer of software on your, your bare metal, and now it, 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 you can run as many virtual machines as your resources can, can handle. So that kind of virtualized servers. <clears throat> and so in 2005, I went to work for VMware. I went to interview at VMware, and I met Dr. Kieran Hardy, who, who uh, was working at VMware. He was one of, the, one of the inventors along with Diane Green. And he was looking at, let's do this for storage. How how we... We, we, we virtualized servers, but now we created a huge problem. We put hundreds of servers, maybe thousands of servers on this infrastructure, this uh, virtual layer. And now we have what the problem that we have now is the storage is, see, is getting this funnel of all of this I.O. Right. directly into the system. And it has no visibility to what the I.O. is doing. So we just randomized all of our I.O. There's no intelligence in the storage whatsoever. And problems occur. Right, and so just to, and I/O is input output, right? So it's what what is going on, what what the, the virtual servers are requesting, what the virtual servers are writing. And so when you say you, you just randomized all the I/O, you basically just took all these servers and just started having them throw random requests and random uh, you know reads and writes at this massive storage array. But it it wasn't thinking for itself. It wasn't saying, oh, well, this is a critical load. This is just nice to have. You know, this is not accessed very frequently. And so. Right. I assume this is leading us into the That's, need for robots in our storage, right? Artificial intelligence. <laughs> exactly. Learning. Yeah, we're running out of time already. But um, <laughs> but a, a good analogy is, think of it this way. So when I when I was a child in elementary school, we used to go on field trips. We'd get on a bus. They'd take us all out to see the, I was in D.C., the Department of Treasury or something like that. When we would stop, let's just say that they stop at McDonald's and everyone gets off the bus and goes in and wants to get something to eat. Right. There's only one lane there for the for everyone to get their food, there might be somebody who just wants a cup of coffee, and but now they're thirtieth or fiftieth in line, mm, right. waiting to get something to eat, uh, or they get their cup of coffee. So what Tintree did, and what you know that fast food restaurant would do, is just open up another lane. Mm-hmm. We'll keep keep all of you. And a good uh, analogy or a good example would be like a data warehouse. So a data warehouse would be um, this this bus busload of kids. It someone writes a bad query, and they send all this information to the to the system um, is blocking everybody else because it's first in, first out to the storage. Right. FIFO, first in, first out. Yep. Just that, so, that line of people waiting. It doesn't matter. First one in line is the first one to order. Last one in line, yeah. last one to it's order. It's like when you're in the drive through, yeah. you get behind someone with a catering order. Yep. And like you said, I just want a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, open up another lane or put like Chick fil A does, put somebody on a headset and yep. put them out there. So th- that solves that problem basically. And that's, that's exactly what Dr. Karen Hardy did was create a lane. For every bit of storage, so it's kind of and this was 2011 timeframe. So that was kind of the first time you saw some intelligence going into the infrastructure that it was aware of the full stack. Right. Um, and so, just an example of that is is Tentry. Um, and so, what what uh, Kieran Hardy built in Tentry was that intelligence. So, but we so basically now we've taken that a step further, and that's where we come full circle back to um, back so, to the intelligent infrastructure and how that that. Going so that's kind of the the phase one is to recognize what you know to actually have some analytics to see what's happening. Right. Phase two, we start to take some actions. 
we get we're providing enough information that some of the some of it can be handled by the system, some of it can be handled by individuals, and then phase three would be full autonomy, where you have actual uh, artificial intelligence in the environment. So I want to bring back to the the fast food analogy. So the machine learning that's going on in in intelligent infrastructure and intelligent storage specifically, because it's the example we went with. So it is something along the lines of every day at 3 p.m. there is a bus that comes through the drive-through, mm-hmm. but also every day at 3 p.m. there's that one guy who comes for coffee. So maybe at 2 p.m. that lane for the coffee guy isn't open because he's not there and there's not a bus. So anybody else that just wants coffee can just come straight through the line. But yeah. in, over time, the, the intelligent infrastructure has learned that every day at 3 p.m., this bus shows up and the guy for coffee shows up. So maybe at 2.59, it opens the coffee lane, yeah. bus shows up, coffee guy comes through, coffee workload goes through you know, fast and efficiently, and the bus is able to be handled by the other lane of drive-through. So in, you know, in, a, in a business application, um, you know, turning it back to business, if yeah. you have a workload that happens, you know, maybe you have backup jobs that run a certain time or you have a report that's run the same time every day, every month, every week, what have you, that it will prioritize or open a new lane for that traffic and let the rest of the normal business day traffic go through its normal lanes so that that report, that backup job, whatever, doesn't bog down the rest of your infrastructure just because it's, you know, it's new, it's a new desire, a new demand. If As long as it happens kind of routinely, the, yeah. the machine learning can see that happening and adjust for it in the future. Is yeah. that kind of the, the concept? There? I think, John, what do you think? I think he just perfectly described, described uh, predictive analytics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that, was, that was spot on. And, and again, we're, we're taking even further now. You think of it from a performance perspective, and that's kind of the common use case. But you're going to see us have ability to also start to recognize behaviors like ransomware. So, hey, not only is there the line of people, but one person in the line doesn't, you know, might might want to rob the place. Let's go ahead and get them out of the line and stop that behavior. So um, I think that that's something else that's exciting as this evolves in the future is recognizing not only performance behaviors, but also other things in the environment that can cause issues. Right. Like, why is that Excel spreadsheet doing that? Maybe that's not that's not what Excel data is supposed to do. You know, let's let's get it out of here. Or at least sandboxes my entire environment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's an example where the where this predictive analytics might recognize these patterns or be taught these patterns, the AI engine to see that a, a ransomware attack has occurred. And if we have snapshotting capability just back a few moments back, we could just recover to the snapshot or create a clone, recover to the snapshot, and ransomware is is gone. Is gone. You're back. You lost maybe a minute or two or of data or less, right. depending on how smart that AI is. That's awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys very much. I think that we did a surprisingly good job of breaking down something that involves machine learning, artificial intelligence, enterprise storage, virtual infrastructure, uh, mainframes. You know, I think we did a pretty good job of breaking that down into something that people can actually kind of comprehend and, and digest. So thank you guys very much for joining us. And uh, we, hope to, we hope that helped you guys as well uh, listening. And we will see you next week. Bye, everybody.